0: Welcome back to the Act Two podcast, a podcast for the real life working screenwriter now. I'm Tasha Hugh.
1: And I'm Josh Holman.
0: Happy end of strike, everybody. Yeah. Uh, as a reminder, Act Two as a network and support group for the everyday working screenwriter, of which this podcast is just one of the many initiatives that we do. So thank you for joining us here. And please look out for our future initiatives, which are coming soon. Please remember also to subscribe to the podcast. That way you don't miss out on our upcoming topics. And please, please rate us, write a comment, even if it's bad. Like if it's bad, hey, constructive criticism. No. Free help. Free no, help.
1: no, no, no. No, don't do that. <laughs> I don't want like if a it's bad, bad rating. keep it to
0: yourself. <laughs> what are you
1: talking about? Keep that, keep it to yourself or email us off to the side. <laughs> All right. Anyways, give us a rating. All right. <laughs>
0: You can also please DM us with questions, topic suggestions. That's where this episode is coming from. It was from a question that was emailed to us. You can do that at act2writers at gmail.com. All spelled out or on our Instagram and Twitter at act2writers. You can also follow me, Story Thursday on Instagram and Twitter at Tasha3.0.
1: And I'm Joshua Hallman on Twitter, Josh Hallman on Instagram.
0: You notice I didn't put threads in there this time?
1: I did actually. I'm I'm this is a new this is it. A new day. You've given up on threads. Over. The strike is over. Over. We got a lot to talk about.
0: We do. I mean, should we just get into this week in writing?
1: This week in writing. This week in writing. I'm just going to give a general announcement. Do it. A couple couple weeks ago I injured myself. Then I uninjured myself. And then the other last week, I was playing tennis and I broke my ankle. So I'm currently in a weird position. Well, oh, I, I also remembered that our Patreon that's going to be released at the end of this year. Mm-hmm. Um, We had joked, but we're serious that we were going to put a tear on of Playing tennis and just sitting yes. down and talking to me. I'm eliminating that tear right now. That tear's gone. I'm so sorry, Tasha. <laughs> that <laughs> tear, I think, is gonna is gonna swipe <laughs> off my my. I, I don't know what's gonna happen with that. But anyway, I've had a lot of time to write, and I've been working on a pilot. And we this is part this week in writing part spec check. And I got really excited about this pilot that my wife and I actually are developing and writing together. And this broken ankle. There's there's always some kind of like blessing in disguise, I just lay down and I write and I've outlined. I outline the fastest I've ever outlined with a broken ankle. And I don't know how I feel about this. <laughs> and that's it. That's, that's my this week in writing. And um, I guess with that, I apologize if there's any weird movements from this end because I'm in a
0: kind of confined. You have to keep adjusting yeah. your poor broken ankle. Yeah. You look comfy as hell though in this like laying down position.
1: I feel great.
0: It's a great life. It sounds. like
1: <laughs> There is something really nice about knowing, like you can't be somewhere and there's no one. No one has any expectations for you to show up or yeah to do something. And if I don't want to do something, I'm just like, my ankle hurts. Sorry. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. All, there's something That's really beautiful green about this.
0: Yeah, that was like during pandemic time. It's just like, nope, no nah, can't do anything. Got ahead. We will die.
1: All right, so that's mine.
0: That's a great one. I'm going to start with the biggest and most obvious, which is that the strike for the writers, at least, is over. Oh, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, Josh talks about himself first. It's fine. We get it. (laughs) But as of 12.01 a.m. on Wednesday, September 27, writers could go back to work, which was great. Wow. So exciting. Yeah. So we're in this weird time where studios are figuring out what deals they're keeping, which they're getting rid of. They're figuring out what shows they're going to keep and go into production on or cancel or stop production or development on entirely. This could include shows that may have already shot episodes and they're just like, nope, we're going to scrap it because, you know, we had to stop during the strike. So we're just not going to keep going. So this is a staunching of the wounds period and it is both exciting to be back to work and the potential of being able to get work um, is now out there. We can start taking meetings again. And right away, people have been scheduling meetings, by the way. It's like everyone has just been ready to go. But it's also this like tender time where people are losing jobs still because they're getting their deals cut or shows are being canceled. Executives are also losing their job because of all of the bleeding that has happened over the last five months. Studios are having to make these terrible decisions because of their terrible decisions (laughs) so this is where we are now our sag actors are still waiting to get a fair deal so if you are a wga or pwga writer um, please still go to the pickets and help those guys out we're not out of the water yet but it is a celebratory week from a writer's point of view
1: definitely a huge transitional period that you know yes you know hope is there hope is here um, which is great because, you know, if you don't have hope, you, you've got nothing. Like hope dies last, and when that when that's gone, you're you're done. Josh's favorite theme is hope. It really is. It really is. But yeah, there's still, you know, my wife included, because she's a casting director. There are people w- until SAG comes back, which I'm assuming is probably going to get wrapped up pretty quickly. I'm just I would hope so. I'm just assuming, right? Like that. Yeah. I, I think so. But there's still a ton of people out of work and there's still, yes, I I know a few people who have lost their jobs that were like, who have just been let off from production companies and it's crazy. It's a crazy time. So the dust will settle in a few months maybe, and then we'll kind of get a bigger picture of what's going on.
0: Yeah. And if you're out there wondering, well, what do I do now? Like, how do I sell my pilot? Today we're talking about outlining pilots or what is the market like? And I think just give it a beat. Wait a beat as they say. Um, to just let things settle. And and nobody knows is the answer. Nobody knows what's going to happen. Nobody knows if people are going to be buying pitches, if people are going to be buying uh, pilots, if people are going to be buying anything at all. We just don't know. So um, if you can sit tight, just do your work. That's kind of yeah. where my head has been at. And I had a sort of a team meeting with my agents uh, this last week as well. And the sort of actionable steps that there were at the end of that meeting was look we don't know anything yet but keep your head down focus on the work and then when it's time you'll be ready so i think that's just uh that's what we got to do as writers yeah as always we shall see do you have another one or should i keep going
1: i want you to keep going
0: okay so along with that team meeting that I had with my agents, I had a coffee afterwards (laughs) with my manager. And she asks this question of me all the time, which was, why can't you write a spec? (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, it's not like I can't, or it's not like I don't try. I do try so hard and specs are just, they're my hardest thing. And she was trying to break down, well, why are they so hard for you? Because you're really good at adapting IP and you're a great writer. Like, why are specs the thing that keeps tripping you up? What lessons can you learn from your past failures on your specs? And it led to this convo about doing breakdowns of movies that I wish I had written or that I really, really love or that have elements in the movie that I want to learn to do better myself at. So, which is all to say, we are going to start a new segment or a new little series where we break down some of these movies on the podcast yeah. with my manager yeah as a special guest for these breakdowns yeah. and i think this will be super fun she is incredibly smart <laughs> and really insightful and because she's not a writer she often will be able to articulate or spot something a bit differently than you or i do
1: yeah. you know, in a weird way i'm excited for that and and something i think i want to focus on on these breakdowns which we kind of have done, but maybe I haven't done as well as I should have. But kind of the setup and payoff of things that happen in Act One or early Act Two and how they pay off in late Act Two and early Act Three, because I feel like writing specs, writing specs, a lot of people, myself included, you start getting bogged down and like, well, what's happening here in like Act Two B and 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 how mm-hmm. did like how is this happen There's just a lot of setups that I think kind of get overlooked that that really pay yeah. off in specs and um that's just a mental note for me to do
0: yeah i'm excited by the breakdowns too because i do think we can get specific like it won't just be like oh what is this movie doing it's like how is this movie doing this very specific thing that we want to learn from this specific movie and that just it'll be a master class in screenwriting i feel like so i'm super excited about it
1: yeah i love your manager i've heard so much about her I've met her a few times, but I feel like I yeah. know her more than I've met her.
0: I think that's. <laughs> I talk about her all the time. Yeah.
1: <laughs> like yeah, what's uh, you know how's her dog doing? <laughs> yeah. All right, keep going. Keep this okay. party flowing.
0: Last week, I went to the Netherlands Film Festival. Oh my god, that's right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> we got I got an email from the Netherlands Film Festival from my agent, actually. My agent was like, hey, the Netherlands Film Festival like wants you to come do a panel. Like, Do you want to do this, or should I tell them no? I was like, no, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> like, free trip to the Netherlands? Absolutely. And so I got to go to Utrecht, which is near Amsterdam in the Netherlands, mm-hmm. and I did a panel on adapting video games. And it was really, 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 really fun, really, really interesting, and a great little town. And that's that's that. Oh, that's it.
1: That, I'm jumping in because I just realized something that trumps all of our this week's in writings. I started this. I talked about myself. I talked uh-huh. about <laughs> other things, and then I missed the most obvious thing that I had written down in my notes that aren't in front of me. Tomb Raider, Tasha. Tomb Raider. The teaser of Tomb Raider came out. Yeah. And yeah, it did. It, it's 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 amazing. You're you're the showrunner and writer of Tomb Raider. Yeah. It's gonna be on Netflix and yeah. it's awesome. And and this this I feel like this is a monumental moment that took me twelve to thirteen minutes to get into. And so now It's
0: okay, you have a broken ankle.
1: <laughs> and now for the first time, you're gonna tell us all of the Easter eggs that were hidden in the Tomb Raider trailer.
0: <laughs>
1: I'm just kidding. But no, this is a great this is, this is great. This is great. I was
0: so, I was so nervous about this, this teaser coming out. It was a huge deal for me because, uh, just for so many reasons, but one of which was, this has not felt like it's real, I getting to work on Tomb Raider. It's been just like, maybe it's a joke. Maybe it's just a fantasy and it's not real because I love Two Readers so much. And then for something real to come out that people can actually see and respond to, it's like, okay, it is real. But then a new anxiety hit, which is like, what if people hate it? What if it's bad? Yeah. What if it's bad and nobody's telling me it's bad?
1: No, no, no. <laughs> what
0: if what if we release it and I didn't know it's bad and then I watch it and I'm like, oh no, it's bad.
1: I can tell you things. with certainty. It's amazing. I saw the trailer. Lara Croft looks badass. Yeah, she's cool. bows and arrows look badass. Yeah. The fucking world looks badass. It's all going to (laughs) be awesome. The stories, there's going to be a focus on theme. (laughs) We're going to see the legend of Lara Croft. I was calling her Laura for like the first 10 years that I knew you until you finally corrected me. I'm just, it's going to be the best show that's ever existed. (laughs) Mark my words.
0: Your lips to God's ears.
1: (laughs) And anyone who says otherwise- don't put a bad rating on the podcast. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you should not want ratings for the wrong reason. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, man. But it's going to be great. I'm so excited. And this was this was a you. big day. This, we should have just done yeah. an entire podcast on it.
0: It was, it was, uh, it's been nice. It's been nice to hear also that people so far seem to like it. Of course. Pa- Paul is shielding me from the bad ones. No. <laughs> yeah, I think people like it.
1: Here's why it's going to be great. This is my last thing. This is your passion. I've yeah. The entire time I've known you, you've loved Tomb Raider and Lara Croft. Yeah. When you love something and you know the world as much as you know the world and you know the games and you know the previous movies and you know freaking fan fiction, there's no way that you're going to create something bad. There's just It's
0: just not possible. I'm like really pumped up right now. Yeah. It's you just, can't tell because... With no, my body language—it's just not but... possible.
1: You know this show better than anybody. This character better than anyone.
0: Thank you, Josh.
1: Goddamn right.
0: Let's get into our topic. Let's then. get into the topic. All right. Our topic today comes from an email from a listener who asked if we could do an episode about outlining pilots, and I thought this is great because Josh is outlining his pilot this last week. <laughs> I just finished writing a pilot outline last week with Dave, friend of the podcast who I am co-writing a pilot with. Yes. And I feel like we're uniquely ready for this topic
1: this week. I guarantee we have two different process, <laughs> processes, processes for uh, how we did this. I'm sure of it. So,
0: how, so then how do you want to do this? So I can go into like like, what is my step one? And then maybe you do what your step one is. <laughs> because I think a big part of this conversation is this is how we do things. It is not how you have to do anything. It's also not like a code that everyone does their pilot outlines this way. This is just how we do it Yeah, with our experience.
1: I think you dive in because I guarantee that your notes are going to be a tad bit more structured and the approach probably is a little bit more structured than how I have been doing it. But maybe let's, yeah, let's just do what you just said. We'll bounce off okay. of each other. I had a process. Yeah. I did.
0: Yeah. Warning to everyone, including Josh Hallman. Mm-hmm. I wrote my notes at 1 a.m. this morning. And um, if you know me at all, I like to go to bed at 10.30 or 11. So this was probably not my best self. So we'll see where we are. Okay. Step one in writing an outline for TV. I think step one is, There's no right way to write an outline for a TV. (laughs) (laughs) For example, I come from features, so I think in three acts. And I know a lot of Mm -hmm. TV writers who came up in TV, they think in five acts. Mm -hmm. And a lot of network TV, for example, still has Mm -hmm. that five act structure. And the benefit of a five Mm -hmm. act structure is that basically there are more exciting turning points and hooks in your episode along the way than you might naturally find in a three-act structure, right? Because the break into a new act is always kind of a big turning point for your characters or for your story, or it's a big hook somehow. And so if you have five of these things along the way, that's obviously cooler and more exciting than three. Also, five-act structure comes from a function of network TV having commercial breaks, right? So every end of an act is a commercial break. And it's important because you'd want your audience to come back after a commercial. And how do you do that? You make sure that your last scene or your break into the next act is super <laughs> exciting and is making your audience ask questions that they absolutely need answers. So that is definitely the benefit of thinking in more act breaks. However, that being said, it's not like if you think in three acts like I do, that it's going to be dull. Because another thing that you do when you have a three act structure is You make sure that every scene has a really fantastic transition. Every scene has a hook to it, basically. So it's still very exciting, but that's all very long-winded way to say that what we're going to talk about, from my end at least, is a three-act structure outline.
1: That's how I approached it as well. Okay.
0: Because... You also come from features. Yeah.
1: Yes. I will say I did, when I was diving into this and I started my outlining process, I did kind of like... I started to read some pilots and... I did look at just kind of like to, for myself, I was like trying to educate myself on like how to write. Because mine's 30 minutes, by the way, or 30 to, yeah. you know. And so I was like, how how do I write this? Like, what are, what are I, by the way, I took a class on this and I forgot all this stuff.
0: You took a TV writing class?
1: I did at the UCLA Extension program.
0: Oh, how was that? Yeah, it was great. How long was that? Like a few months?
1: Yeah, the program was like six months long.
0: Okay. Yeah. So I, I knew I wanted to write movies when I went to film school. So I deliberately took no TV writing classes and I was like, fuck those classes. Yeah. The people who choose that are stupid. Yeah. You're like, (laughs) I was just, I was like very eh about TV. I'm never going to write it. So why would I bother? And then here we are. So I also had to teach myself how to write for TV by just watching a lot of shows that I really liked it. and writing down every single scene so that when I was done, I could, I basically had an outline of the show and I knew, understood where the act breaks were. I understood how much character arc was happening within each act. And that was very helpful. So if you are new to writing TV, highly, highly, highly recommend watching. A pilot and a couple episodes of shows that you love that you want to write in, and just writing down every single scene and what Mm -hmm. happens to it as you're watching it. Yeah, and then look at look at how how it's structured, and that will help you figure out how to structure your own stuff. Yes, I know it's hard. It's so hard. All right, but now we're here. Now we're done. Now we're professionals. Yeah. Okay. So step one is decide what kind of structure you're going to stick with. For me, step two is what. We call sort of big sky period, blue sky period, the 50,000 foot view of your show. And what this means is you take a step back from what like the individual beats of your story and your pilot are going to be. And you kind of decide, okay, like what overall story am I telling? Is it a murder mystery? Is it a family comedy, a cop drama, superhero origin? Um, At this stage, I think it's best to do this with a buddy. You had your wife. It's just... It's really nice to be able to just bounce ideas off of somebody. Um, And you've got to just at this stage, you throw up ideas, either figurative or literally on a board somewhere, note cards or bullet points or whatever. And if this is a cop drama, you kind of go through, okay, well, what are the ideas you know you need to have? What are the elements that are super key to you in telling this story? And you put those on the board. And I like to call them pillars or markers that you have in your head as part of what has to happen in your story yeah Um, for example like if you know at some point the hero character that you have uh, the audience is going to discover that they are actually a ghost like if that's your original story then you know you have to have that card put that card up on the board that is something you absolutely have to hit and then the more of these kind of cards you start putting on the board the more some kind of structure or story starts to take place you have these pillars you know you have to hit does that make sense
1: it does i'm going to take a step back because not to compare um and i hope this doesn't confuse anything but i just want to tell you my approach of how i went into it
0: yeah hit us
1: the way i started was my wife and i had an idea that was very simple i thought you know it was like oh i like i like this idea i like this world and i kind of that's where it started and i actually started to jot down different ideas Kind of your step two of like, well, what would this? What would this be? Is this is this a show or is this not a show? Like, is this mm-hmm. what is this? Am I wait, like how long is this? How do I see this? What's the tone of this? And I kind of locked that stuff in before I even jumped into anything. So I was kind of mm-hmm. writing down these big sky ideas to see if like it's something. And once there was so much there, and I got excited, that's where I was like, okay, now I'm going to figure out the structure of this.
0: Well, can I ask? In this like little bullet pointed list you're making, can you give some examples of what the things you were writing down were? For sure. That made you realize this was a show?
1: Yeah. So it was like, what kind of characters would exist in this world? Could I sustain enough like relationship drama to make people care? Yeah. I was thinking about like, well, what would the episodes be? Mm -hmm. And then once I kind of was like, okay, well, one episode could be this, another episode could be this, you know, like oh, it could be set at a party. This one, and a lot could happen at this party. It mm-hmm. could be set at a dance, like you know, like I was thinking from of her. all the different kind of episodes that could exist. And then I was thinking of where I could start the characters. And using the OC as an example, it's like this guy who comes into from you know Torrance or whatever that comes into Orange County. It's like okay, well, how could I arc this person? How can I yeah. arc these people? And then, for me, once I started to see like arcs of the characters and where drama could unfold in in a unique way, that's where I kind of locked in and was like, okay, this is this is something,
0: yeah, that's the same. That's the same for me. I would say that, like my character section is sort of next, but it's it includes everything you're talking about. Like I feel like this step two phase, this big sky. 50,000 foot view is all of what you're saying. It's like some character stuff thrown in there, but not getting really specific about like, what the, what is their backstory and who are they and what are the choices they make and what are their flaws? It's just like, generally, this person is a jock who has a narcissism problem, but really underneath, he's, he's a good guy once yeah. you get to know. Like, it's like very broad things at this stage just to kind of, again, paint like, the sort of foundational beginnings of what your show could look like mm-hmm. and- In this stage in particular, no idea is final. So, like, this is the stage where you should be willing to throw out the bonkers idea that your jock character in the OC is actually a serial killer. And later you'll be like, ah, that doesn't really work. That doesn't really make sense with the tone of my show or whatever I'm going to, but like, feel free if you're feeling that in that moment, throw that card up on the board and just sort of let it suck, as they say. Which I think is a great term. Let it suck. Let it be bad. But we can't. We don't know if it's bad or good until we let it be bad. Yeah. Um. So that's that's the stage. And I think also at this stage you could be asking things like, is there a love interest in my show? Does the love interest betray my hero? And that becomes a big part of the show. Do I know what lessons my hero needs to learn? Also, this might be a, the section where you're just talking very broadly about like, what are some of my hero's flaws and strengths? Do I want to have a best friend character? Or is it a family of friends? Is it a soprano type situation? Just start to ask these big general things because then your story starts to take shape.
1: Yeah. I love this, the blue sky territory, because it's both scary and also very exciting because you just know when something works. And when it works, yeah. it's really cool.
0: It's so cool. And you just feel like you're just operating at the highest level. Yeah. <laughs> like, small-ish side note, I feel like I've definitely just written a pilot before without doing this step. And I just want to talk about it because I know you and I in particular are guilty of this, of just like not wanting to outline and just get right to the script. But I think in particular for TV, just because the pilot is such a primer for the entire show, potentially like 14 seasons of a show, it really has to do a very specific job. In very specific places. So, my first pilot, I had no idea what I was doing. I studied structure the way I told you. I just watched a lot of stuff. I'd written a spec pilot of, uh, or not pilot, a spec episode of *Walking Dead* in order to like understand how structure was functioning because I didn't study it in school. And so, I had this pilot idea that was very clear in my head. Do you remember *Deadbeat* Audrey? I do. I love Deadbeat Audrey. I kind of looked at it last night at 1 a.m. and was like, can I bring this back? <laughs> now that I know more about TV, yeah. can I write this? And Deadbeat Audrey was about a woman who was a spirit in the afterlife. And she's this caseworker for new souls. And her job is to place new souls in a new life. But to do that, she has to visit their old life to find out what exactly they need to learn. It was very networky. Um, but I wrote this pilot without knowing what the show was at all. I did none of this this step two homework first. I just knew we would meet her in the real world. I knew that she would seemingly be like a detective, like almost like a, like a film noir detective staking out this alcoholic who ends up killing himself. And in the moment he kills himself, she's able to rewind as if she's watching video of the life, even though she's like in the scene with him. And I was like, that's a cool moment because now the audience realizes, oh, this isn't a real world detective. This is something else. And then we progress to like follow Audrey back in her afterlife world. It's very kind of clerical, et cetera, et cetera. So I knew that was what the pilot was. And I knew the end was that she places this first guy into a good life. And we understand what the show is. Um, but again, when I wrote it, I didn't do this, this step. And I think the show suffered for it. Like it just didn't I didn't know what the rules were of anything. I didn't know what Audrey really wanted. She wasn't a fully fleshed out character. Uh, and because I didn't know where the show was going, I wasn't sure what I needed to set up in the pilot. So it was a lot a lot of stuff happened that was fun. But you sort of didn't understand why it was happening or what was the larger story I was going to invest in. So I find it very important to do this step, even though you're probably chomping at the bit to just mm-hmm. write your fucking pilot. Especially because pilots are shorter, you may have a clearer idea of what your story is, like I did. With Deadbeat Audrey, I pretty much knew what that episode of television looked like from beginning to end. Mm-hmm. And it was fairly easy to write. But just because it was fairly easy to write didn't mean I did it well, mm-hmm. I guess. So that's step two. Step two is the big sky stuff. Don't forget to do it.
1: <laughs> but so that that, that saying plot out the future because what you're saying is you did
0: not. No, plot. I don't think plot out the future but just have a general idea of of where, what is the sandbox you're playing and oh, I ask understand. those questions that you were asking I understand of your characters and your story, all of that. Do some of that homework first before you get into the pilot. Boom. Okay, step three. You've put up your literal or figurative board. You have note cards or bullet points about what you want your show to be about. So step three for me is now the character breakdown section, where I get more nitty gritty about who the characters are. And I think the reason you do a character breakdown so early at this step, um, so rather than jumping into what my plot's going to be in step three, I start with character. Because for me, how the hell do you know what your characters are going to do in the plot and what you're going to care about when watching the plot if you have no idea who they are? And I think at this stage, it can still be Fairly quick and broad-strokey. So, like, Jose is an astrophysicist. I I, I at least know what his job is. Um, He's lonely because his wife died five years ago. He's pretending to everyone that it's okay. Um, That's starting to put a strain on his friendships because he's not being sincere to people. That's causing him to isolate. But he's a goddamn genius. And boom, he discovers there's alien life on Earth. Like oh shit, th- that's at least what I like. I know about Jose, okay, yeah. and I can get into more details later. But to me, what that tells me is it's what his home life is like. Does he have kids? Does he have a spouse? Does he live alone with parents, roommates? Like these are questions I start to ask here. I'll also ask, um, do they love their home life? Do they hate it? Are they happy where they are? And if they are happy and or unhappy, why are they happy or unhappy? And that will start to get me at. What is behind, really behind, this character? Also, I'll ask myself, what is their workday life like? What do they do just on a normal day? Because it helps me to figure out what they do for a living, because I can start to hone in on other things. Like, if they're a bartender, do they hate it? Do they really want to be Jose the astrophysicist? And if they didn't achieve their dream, why not? Did they have a kid too early? Were they in a horrible accident? Is it a confidence thing? Like asking these sort of overall questions of my character starts to make me ask or get into like specifics about them. Mm-hmm. And before I know it, I've shaped a general shape of who this person is. Yeah, I'm also big on figuring out my character's childhood. <laughs> this is a big thing for me, just because that's just how I operate. So did they have loving parents? Did they have abusive parents? Did they have foster parents? Because to me, it feels impossible to know who your adult character is if you don't know where they've come from, right? Like if they were raised by a tiger mom, like that shapes someone completely differently than if they're raised by a foster mom and didn't care about them. So to me, that becomes important, even if it's just a bullet point. Like it's (laughs) not, I remember when I was first coming up, do you remember this program called Dramatica? (laughs) Do you ever-
1: Sounds familiar. Dramatica. Yeah, it was-
0: it was super fun because it it helps you procrastinate from actual writing. But they it's this program where you fill in so many details about your characters, like yeah, their favorite food and like their favorite co- like shit that does not matter, and you can easily get bogged down in this stuff. So for me, it's I say it's broad, and it is. It's more broad than that kind of dramatica specificity, but it is the mm. stuff that matters, like. Who were they as kids? What were they affected by? What is their core trauma? And then how do they now as an adult behave in a certain way? Because that's how I know to write them is by what they've experienced and how they're behaving now.
1: And then do you find that you are sculpting their childhood kind of relative to the idea in the sandbox that you're playing in? For instance, you have a, you know, Deadbeat Audrey, you you, you had this kind of idea And are you like, you know what, I need to sculpt this childhood to kind of influence how she's going to act throughout this pilot and this series.
0: Back, you can definitely and I definitely have reverse engineered characters that way. So if I, for example, need a character to be really charming and that's going to be her key role. Let's say I'm writing a heist show and she's the face. She's the charming person Mm -hmm. who's always at the front. So, okay, if I know I need that kind of character, let me reverse engineer this character to understand why she would be that kind of charming grifter type. Mm -hmm. And that's a a version where I'll do it. I feel like it really just depends on where your starting point is when you're coming into a script. Like with, I I would actually be curious, I'll put the question back on you, with the story that you're writing with your wife, did the characters come to you as like, I know I want that kind of character, or were you like, shit? I have to re- reverse engineer someone to fit into this world.
1: Um, I kind of reverse engineered, to be honest, yeah. because the world that I'm playing in is somewhat specific, um, and and I I like it's an affluent world basically, and so I kind of reversed reverse engineered my main characters to counter that. And I thought about their upbringing and it was just kind of like not the affluent upbringing.
0: Right. You needed someone from Torrance to come to the OC. You
1: needed someone from, that's why, I, yeah. You needed someone yeah. from Torrance to come from the OC and just really like, like, what the hell is going on here?
0: Yeah. So I think it can come either way. Sometimes you, your idea comes from a character. And so, you know, you're, that's your starting point. The last thing I'll say about character creation is something I learned from John Rogers, who helped me out with Deadbeat Audrey, actually. He helped me develop a pitch for that. He gave me some notes on the pilot. And my first ever TV pitch was with John Rogers, who is uh, is the creator, showrunner of Leverage and the librarians. He's awesome, super smart guy. Um, And something that he had me do in my pitch that I've taken with me when I think about characters is in the pitch he had me say, like for example, let's say Top Gun. Maverick wants to be the best pilot in Top Gun. But what Maverick needs is to learn that flying is a team sport. So the want and the need being different, right? My character wants this thing, but actually what they'll learn over the course of the journey of the show that I put them in is that what they actually want is not what they think they want. So wanted need being different is a really clean way to potentially start if you're trying to brainstorm character and you're not sure who they are. Um, it's just a clever sort of shorthand, I guess.
1: I like that. If that makes sense. It does to me, yeah.
0: Okay. So you have your overall series, or at least your kind of season story. You've done your 50,000-foot view. Mm -hmm. You've done your character breakdowns. Mm -hmm. And I think now is the time to check in with yourself. Are there Mm -hmm. any elements that you have questions about? Now, for me... I always write in these big worlds. I do a lot of world building with my stuff. So before I launch into my pilot, I kind of try to think, okay, are there any parts of the world or any parts of the character, if you're not doing a world, any parts of, um, if you're doing cop drama, any parts of the cop world that you need to get a better handle on? Like maybe you haven't done enough research on the cop, like how cops talk to each other or what it actually is like in a precinct and your show is set there. If you're starting to feel maybe that's a place of insecurity that you don't know about, my advice is to figure that out now before you get into it. For example, I'm writing right now a story, a a pilot story about ghosts, and there are definitely going to be ghosts in the pilot. And I need to know how they manifest in my characters, right? Like, is it going to seem like a figment of her imagination? How are the ghosts actually literally going to manifest? And these are lingering questions that I didn't really know the rules to before I started the pilot. So I thought, okay, let me just take a beat, take another 30 minutes to an hour or whatever to just write down what the rules of my supernatural ghosts are before I get in there. Because once I get in there, if I don't know that answer, it's going to stop my momentum and I'm going to have to figure it out. So might as well do that heavy lifting now. So to me, like there's this kind of middle step after you do the breakdown before you Actually, get into the pilot where you're just shoring up some of those last minute questions.
1: I completely agree. I love it. Yeah.
0: Okay. So now I think you're ready to write your pilot outline. And pilots to me are in some ways a lot easier to structure than a movie because to me, in a pilot, you absolutely know that you have to do a handful of things. Like I feel like in movies, It's just so open world, like you can do absolutely anything that it can be overwhelming. But in a pilot, you know, you have to introduce your characters. You know, you have to introduce your world, introduce the stakes of your show, and you have to create a hook to make the audience keep watching. These are like tenets of writing a pilot. Yeah. So I have to get those done. I personally like to start off with a bang because it keeps butts in seats when they're watching a show. And I like to end with a bang because it keeps butts coming back. Yeah. So, for example, this pilot that Dave and I are writing together, we had a log line. We knew we had this basic premise for the show we wanted to write. And it's basically a murder mystery. So in a murder mystery, we knew that a murder had to take place at the beginning of the show. Kind of a cold open moment, right? Because we need to tell our audience, hey, this is a murder mystery. The way the murder happens is also going to set the tone of my show. Is it going to be a dark and moody show, or is it going to be a violent and gruesome show? Okay, so then we know what our cold open is. We then need to introduce our detectives. You need to know, as an audience, who is going to be solving this crime. So, okay, now I kind of know what that next scene is going to be. We need a scene where we care about these characters, where we show their fun or messed up or whatever it is we need to show, but that's two scenes right there. We got a cold open and we got some introductory stuff. And then I also know that at the end of my pilot, I have to set up the, the buy-in of the show. So if it's a murder mystery, I have to set up that my heroes are accepting the call. My detectives are going to now be on this mission to solve this murder. They've accepted. call to solve the murder that has to be sort of the end of my pilot i knew that so now i have a beginning and i have an end and i know exactly that i need to write to those moments right
1: yeah you know what else is great about pilots what just leaving them open-ended and no conclusion you're (laughs) like here's a cliffhanger just come back and watch episode two i
0: love cliffhangers yeah because as they say pilots are basically the first act of a movie yeah The way I like to think of what a pilot needs to do, and again, there's obviously exceptions and you can name dozens where it doesn't fit into this. But for me, at least the starting point is that by the end of my pilot, there has to be a new status quo in my world. And that's what the show is about. So the the pilot tends to be like the status quo of my characters, the status quo of my world that gets interrupted by something exciting and different and new. Ted Lasso, an American football coach, arrives in the u k to teach to to coach soccer. Yeah. holy shit. That's a new status quo for this team. And a lot of scenes play out that are just reacting to that new status quo. And then what is the hook of the pilot? It's a new status quo, which is that Ted, Turns out he's in the UK, not because he's so perfect and amazing and the best football coach of all time, but because he's on a break from his wife and they're having really big problems. So Perfect Ted is not perfect after all. And now we know what the show is that I'm going to invest in. So these new status quos can be small like that or can be big, like accepting the hero's call to be a detective (laughs) or whatever. Um, But that's how I tend to think of pilots. And that really helps me structure it a lot better.
1: Mm, I like I Really, really
0: like that makes me feel so secure. I wish I could think like this with features better. <laughs> I, need to, I need to somehow translate this to a feature code. Maybe we'll do a feature outline breakdown at some point so I can figure out my process with features better. Here's,
1: well, two really important things. Number one, the dude from the OC was from Chino, not Torrance. And number okay. two, there <laughs> there is no secret sauce. You know, that's like, it. it's just like, we're like, I wish we could figure out a code, but we in the we might write something where it's like oh my god i just figured out the second act of a movie and you're like well what's the first like the the way that yeah. ideas happen are so random and the way that you see an idea through and you f- you create something is it it just it's different every time it seems like
0: it is it is writing sucks okay
1: <laughs> go back on strike <laughs> <laughs>
0: So let's break it down a little bit more um, so that it's actionable so that you can you can listen to this episode and begin to actually write your pilot outline. So to me your pilot when you when you're looking at what you're outlining feels like you start with a big punch in the face of the audience where your opening is establishing what your show is about or what your character is that the audience is going to invest in. So like I don't remember the opening of House that show, um, but I bet you it is a big punch in the face about who House is.
1: Well, let's go with White Lotus.
0: White Lotus. I just watched more recent. Yeah,
1: more recent. And I was just laying around watching it, and that opens with uh, one of the characters. They're sitting in an airport in Hawaii. It's very clear. There's like you hear, you see the Hawaiian Airlines emblem in the background, and then saw this uh, the character who I'm forgetting his name. I know the actor's name, but th- this guy is sitting there. He's twirling his wedding ring. He looks nervous. He's by himself, though. A couple across from him is like, oh, you you know, you're on your honeymoon. Where would you stay? He's like, I was at the White Lotus. And they're like, oh, my God. Yeah. How was it? We heard someone died there. And he's like, <laughs> yeah. And then he's, they're like, where's your fiance? And he's like, with all due respect, just shut the fuck up. And then he walks out and looks at the window <laughs> and sees a body being transferred to an airplane. And yeah. it's like. I although White Lotus goes into another level after that, but like right off the bat, you're hooked. You're like, yeah, is his fiance in there? Who's di- Who died? What's the yeah. White Lotus? Why
0: is he in Hawaii? What the hell's going yeah. on here? It's genius. Yeah, it's such a great opener. Yeah, so now I'm immediately invested and in have so many questions, like you're saying. And it, I think it's important to open your your pilot with something similar in your own way, That's in your own voice.
1: That's a subtle bit. Yeah,
0: yeah. Okay, so then if that's your starting point, what is now the hook of your pilot? What are you building to in the pilot? What is the last image or feeling or question you want to leave your audience with when it fades to credits after the pilot that's going to make them want to come back next week? To me, that's, again, where I start my pilots is beginning and the end. And that makes the writing of the middle much easier. So now that you have those two things, your hook and your opener, Start figuring out what turning points you need in the pilot to get your characters from that starting point to that end hook. And you can start, again, very general, like we did in the blue sky phase when you're plotting out your outline at first. Which is, what are the plot or character points I need to get them from that beginning to that end? So some things to think about when you're doing this are, like, the refusal of the call. I think oftentimes your hero will refuse to accept the mission of the show until you force them into it by the end. So like, for example, Scully had no plans to believe Mulder in the pilot of X-Files. He asked her to believe early, and she's like, meh, give me proof. There's always a scientific explanation for everything. And then the entire pilot, which is, by the way, a masterclass in pilots, and you should watch it, is about proving to Scully that aliens are real. And the hook, of course, is that, all of Scully's evidence is lost by the end of the pilot, and she can't prove it to anyone, including mm-hmm. herself. But she does have one piece of evidence that survived the episode, which is enough to wonder, was it all true or was it all not? Yeah. So I think if your hero refuses the call, then that means also that something has to happen to make them accept the call of mm-hmm. your show. So now you have two new scenes Already you have a refusal of the call for your character somewhere and you have a scene where they accept the call. And mm-hmm. so what is that accept the call moment? Is it a traumatic event? Do they see something that opens up their eyes? Does something scare them? For Scully, she gets two marks on her back that are the symbol so far of kids who have been abducted <laughs> by aliens <laughs> and have a death sentence basically. Wow. And she's terrified I have of no this recollection
1: moment. of the pilot of the X-Files. It's so good. Wow. It's
0: so good, Josh. It's like perfection. Oh. And it turns out to be just mosquito bites. But this is a moment where she realizes, and we, the audience, realize that she is actually starting to buy into this. So once you kind of have these, what I call pillars of what your pilot needs to hit to get from your characters from the starting point to your hook, now it's just about filling in those gaps. And again, it's okay at this stage to, to start broad. For example, I broke a pilot recently with, a, with another friend, and we knew that our hero goes to a doctor's office and learns new information that makes her decide to take this case. She's like a kind of a detective, basically. Um, So we knew she she does that. We had no idea what that information was. (laughs) We had no idea who this doctor was or what her relationship with the doctor was. We just knew, okay, our character at the very end of act one needs to accept the call and go on the journey of the pilot. And when we first started breaking it, we just left that as an open card that we just wrote. She learns something at the doctor's house that makes her take the case. And we just kept going. We just kept putting scenes and, and doing doing the work. And then after we broke the basic scenes of the pilot, then we came back to this scene. And we did another pass on what the details of that scene hey. are. So now, again, that we have these overall sequences in place in between our pillars, let's go in and say, okay, let's figure out who this doctor is. Let's figure out exactly what she learns. And maybe it takes two hours just to do this scene but at least we have an overall structure. We can sort of zoom in on the scenes that need more work before we get into the writing of the script. Yes. And that's kind of it. Honestly, it's, it's kind of just rinse and repeat of this process until you have an outline that feels like you could write it.
1: Yep. Sounds like we can just go write our pilots right now.
0: <laughs> right. I'm so pumped.
1: But I'm pumped too. <laughs> I was thinking, you know, that was great.
0: Yeah, that's it. Okay. I uh, last thing I'll say about TV outlines, because I find them to be different than features, though I am trying to transfer everything I've learned from writing in television into features. And I uh, again, I started at the top talking about how my manager was like, why can't you write a spec? <laughs> um, it's harder for me, but I think the more I take this process into writing specs in particular and IP is different because. There's kind of an outline there in a way that you can jump off from. But obviously, specs are completely original, total blank page, and just all from you. Um, So those are just harder for me. But I think what's helpful here, I tend to, this is what you do in TV, is your outlines are very, very detailed. They're very, very specific. And I don't mean they're long. They're actually not. They tend to be fairly short. But within each, so for example, take a step back, when we write TV outlines, We'll go into final draft and you will you will give the, the the slug lines of every scene you're doing. So you literally know if it's going to take place in a car, in a house, in a classroom. You know that, you know exactly where it goes in the scene as well. You, you're breaking this with your entire writer's room. So I also know within that scene in the car, uh, my character goes from A to B. And I mean character wise, emotionally, they go from A to B. I know by the time I get out of this scene, they need to be in this headspace. So those kinds of details are all going to be in my outline so that when I go to script, writing the script is so easy. It's like yeah. it's like kind of just translating it over and then adding some dialogue. And it's so it feels so good and refreshing. And I've stopped being scared of the writing part of TV episodes. And all my focus goes on being scared of the breaking of it And all these other steps that we're talking about, because that's where the bulk of the work goes. And the writing phase should be really light. And I think Tony, we talked about Tony Gilroy does this. How when he, I think it was Tony Gilroy, he said that when he goes to the writing, he wants that to be super fun. Yeah. So he does so much homework, heavy lifting up front so that when he gets to this stage, it's easy. So I very much advocate for your outline to be as detailed as possible in this same way.
1: I have one last question for you. I know this is just pilot yeah. outlining, but do you ha- do you think about the future of the show? Have you already thought through, for instance, you and Dave are working on something. Have you thought about like, okay, this is where this goes in like a second and third season? Or are you just like, you know what? We've got a first season. We've got an idea. We know what the pilot is. Let's go with God and then figure that stuff out later.
0: It's somewhere in the middle, I think. I think that sort of blue sky period is very much figuring out at least what the season is mm-hmm. and also very generally what the series as a whole is. But something my manager told me early on when I was first starting to work in TV and she herself produces a lot of TV is that to put it upon yourself, to put the onus upon yourself to figure out an entire series, even an entire season in detail of your show is incorrect because one person doing that, you're not going to. Most likely, you're not going to come up with the best answers, <laughs> but I can come up with the best general answers. I'm the I'm the one who knows the best what the season overall will look like, but it's not until I get into a writer's room that I'm going to know exactly what I need to set up in the pilot. So like, for example, this Dave uh, murder mystery that I'm writing with him, we know generally what we need to set up and we know generally, okay, we need a character in here that's going to come back later. And be um, a potential suspect in this case. And he has to appear in the pilot. I guarantee you, we're going to write it and it's going to be, it's going to work. It's going to like, it's going to kind of plug the hole in the moment. But as soon as we get a writer's room and we start breaking it, we're, that character is going to be different. Mm-hmm. Or we're going to realize we don't need him in the pilot. Like those things will change. Um, so it is somewhere in the middle. Like I definitely, we definitely think about what do we need to set up in the pilot, but leave ourselves room. To like really hone in yeah. on that once you get a writer's room. It just has to function on its own enough to sell it at this yeah. point,
1: if that makes sense. Totally. That's the that's the goal. You want to sell it. Yeah. So you have someone yeah, and see then the you'll potential and be like, <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: oh yeah, I need this. That's that's this is what I need to do.
0: Yeah. It's great. That's it. That's that's what I got. That's the process. And I guess Perfect. if you have additional questions, more specific questions, reach out to us. At act2writers at gmail.com. Boom. Or on our Twitter and Instagram at act2writers. Or write a comment and ask us in the comments. No. (laughs) (laughs)
1: All
0: right. Quote of the day. Every scene should be able to answer three questions. Who wants what from whom? What happens if they don't get it? And why now? David Mamet. Please remember to rate and subscribe. Follow us at act2writers for more awesome writing stuff. You can follow me, Tasha. At Story Thursday on Instagram or on Twitter at Tasha 3.0. I'm
1: Joshua Hallman on Twitter, Josh Hallman on Instagram.
0: And as always, the Act Two podcast is a production of Act Two, a network and support group for the everyday working screenwriter. This episode was edited by Paul Lundquist.